In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. The very beginning of good movies usually tease a bit of the story to come. Think of The Wizard of Oz, for example. Well, our first reading does the very same. As Jesus is ascending at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, he says to his followers that they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hearing this in the very first chapter of the book sets the stage for what's to take place in the rest of the story. These followers of Jesus really do end up becoming his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Just prior to when Jesus says this, his disciples ask him if he's going at that time to restore the kingdom of Israel. And he responds by saying that it is not for them to know the times or seasons that the Father has established by his own authority. Why include this line of Jesus? It could very well be that at the time Luke was recording his gospel, certain Christians were claiming they knew exactly when Jesus would be returning and the kingdom of Israel restored. As a response then, Luke reminds his readers that Jesus himself said, no one would know the times or seasons, just like those who thought Y2K or 2012 was going to be the end of the world. Our second reading can be one of two options, and we'll choose the second one. It's from the letter to the Hebrews and includes a passage we've heard before. The first section of this excerpt, taken from chapter 9, occurred back in the 32nd Sunday of Ordinary Time in year B. Back then, we looked at how the author here is contrasting the high priest of yesteryear with Jesus, the great high priest. He presents the contrast in two ways. One, that Christ entered into heaven itself while the other high priest entered a sanctuary made by hands, a copy of the true one. And second, that Christ made an offering once for all and not again and again as the high priest had to do. Yet the second half of this excerpt has a tricky phrase. The author says that through the blood of Jesus, we have confidence of entrance into the sanctuary by the new and living way he opened for us through the veil that is his flesh. Here, the veil of the sanctuary is equated with the flesh of Jesus. But on the surface, that doesn't quite make sense at all. Because if you remember, when Jesus dies on the cross, the veil in the temple is torn. If anything, by his incarnation, we could say that Jesus has broken the veil that stood between God and humanity. So what's the author getting at? There's two ways that could help us to understand, and the first is that he's saying God was present in the person of Jesus, but in a hidden way, like the veil that stood in front of the tabernacle. In other words, while Jesus is the perfect image of the Father, because he also has a human nature, the author is saying that in some sense, this still veils God's full, infinite nature. The second way to understand the veil here is to understand it not just as the barrier in the temple which separated God from humanity, but also the point of contact between the two. Here, the veil could be seen as that which existed, that which stood in the breach between God and humanity. And in this way, Jesus' flesh and his incarnation are that veil. Our gospel this weekend is the very ending of Luke's gospel. Just like you see in a number of movies, the setting in the beginning of Luke's gospel is the same as the end. Think of Forrest Gump sitting on that park bench, or Private Ryan at the cemetery. Well, here too, back in chapter 1, verse 9 of Luke's gospel, the story began with Zechariah in the temple in Jerusalem. And now, at the very end of the story, after Jesus is taken up to heaven, the disciples return to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple, praising God. The ending is the same as the beginning. 
Similar to our first reading, Jesus tells his followers that they will be witnesses of these things to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. But here's the interesting thing. A number of the prophets, most especially Isaiah, preached that all of the nations would be streaming towards Jerusalem. But here, Jesus is reimagining the direction a bit. Instead of everyone heading towards Jerusalem, he's telling the disciples that they'll be going out from Jerusalem towards all the nations. And that's, of course, what we see take place. Lastly, Jesus tells his followers to stay in the city until they are clothed with power from on high. We heard the same phrase at the very beginning of Luke's gospel when, in the first chapter, Zechariah speaks of how the dawn from on high will break upon us. And then, in the story of the nativity, the angels sing glory to God in the highest. That same power from on high is being brought forth now upon the disciples in the Holy Spirit. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for the Solemnity of the Ascension of our Lord in year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.